He deserved it. So I did it. I was five years old. I was playing with some of the boys in the neighborhood. This particular boy was uh, two or three years older than me. We'll just call him Joe Smuckatelli, just in case he's tuning in today. Sorry about this story. And uh, he had a potty mouth. And I told him to knock it off. I was a five-year-old, and I knew that was wrong. And so I continued to tell him to knock it off. So he got what he's got coming to him. I had my little cap gun. I'd seen this a lot on cowboy movies when you didn't want to kill someone, but you wanted to immobilize them. What you did is you took the barrel of the gun, wound up, and hit him over the head with the handle. And I did that. He screamed. I ran. So I decided as a five-year-old, and this wasn't really allowed, I was going to walk around the block to see if uh, things would cool down. By the time I got home, it was lunchtime, and Dad was a school teacher, so he was home for lunch. It was summertime. Made the long walk around the block. It seemed like I had gone for miles because I was running from the problem. But again, he had deserved it. So finally, I got home, walked in the door. There were no problems. It was time for grilled cheese sandwiches. Yes, I thought. I've dodged this uh, circumstance. Sitting at the table, a little bit later, all of a sudden, there was a rat-tat-tat-tat-tat on the metal storm door. I wondered who that was, and Dad got up to see who it was. And it was Mrs. Smuckatelli. And Mrs. Smuckatelli said to my father, do you know what David did? When I heard the word David, I knew I was in trouble. And I couldn't hear what they were talking about. But when my father came in, he told me that uh, Joe Smuckatelli was going to need to go to the hospital. Because his mother, who happened to be a nurse, thought he needed stitches. And so my dad proceeded to bring me upstairs and explain what I had done improperly. And in those days, it was right for me. It was a learning experience. I got my bottom paddled real good. Halfway through the uh, paddling and my crying, I said, Dad, I think I'm going to have to go to the hospital now too. <laughs> so, but that was not the case. But it was interesting. I knew to run. And uh, I thought I had run long enough for the heat to cool off, but obviously that wasn't true. And uh, there's a lot of circumstances where we run. Uh, we can run from situations, we can run from people, but most seriously, we can run from God. And when we discover that we are running from God, it can be a very obvious way, it can be a very subtle way. But when we discover that we're running from God, especially if we're a Christ follower, even a non-Christ follower, someone who hasn't said yes to Jesus, can still run. You may be running from saying yes to Jesus. But then there are those of us who have said yes to him, and we can still run. And the reality is this, is that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Eventually you come face to face with him. Eventually, 
there's a moment. Uh, I'm not going to say he catches you because I think he gives us a lot of freedom, but there's a moment where we try to run and run and run, and finally, whatever we're running from, if it's him directly or what he said for us to do, it catches up with us. And uh, sometimes we're like this guy in our running. be as fun as that. There might not be that kind of music, but eventually our running catches up with us. And so we're beginning a new series, Jonah. Basically, it's running, and uh, all of us are good runners in some ways. Sometimes we run from God. Sometimes we run into God, and that can be a pleasant situation, a joyful situation, or it can be not so good. Or sometimes we run against God or we try to run God himself and try to get him to fit our agenda. So wherever we're at, whether we've said yes to Christ, we all find ourselves from time to time in this kind of running situation. And we need to be very, very, very aware of it. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here for part number one. And uh, later on, when we're doing this live streaming, it's going to be great to be able to give a little shout-out to Bob and Sharon Coriel. Uh, They're down in warm Florida. I'm going to say I hope it drops to 55 so they can have at least a little cool weather. But uh, that's where they are. And again, it's great that we can do that, and great we can uh, record the audio to get that out on SoundCloud. So we're going to start by just uh, walking through Jonah and making some points along the way. I'm going to be using a few different translations Uh, But if you want to follow along, if you have uh, your own Bible, if you um, have an online Bible, you have like um, version, please take a look at that. And again, you're going to see the words are a little bit different. On that Bible that we give out at church, it's page 645. So let's uh, get into um, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what we see. Long day, long ago, one day long ago, God came to Jonah. Amiti's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah tried to run from the Lord. He went to Joppa and found a boat there going to a faraway city of Tarshish. Jonah paid money for the trip and went on the boat. He went to travel with people on the boat to Tarshish and run away from the Lord. Now, first of all, when you and I think of an event like this, uh, this isn't like a cruise line ship. Uh, Some of us right now are really sick of the cold weather and find ourselves uh, thinking about warmer places. And some of us have had the uh, uh, opportunity to get on a cruise ship, and uh, we may be feeling like this. Wouldn't it be nice to actually see your friends this winter? 
waiting for. Check out RoyalCaribbean.com and get out there. That was not what uh, Jonah was going to go on. He wasn't going to be at the back of the boat, you know, hitting golf balls off into the water. Uh, he wasn't going to be going to a buffet. Or How many say buffet and how many say buffet? Buffet? Okay, buffet? No one admits to it because I hear some of you every once in a while say buffet. But anyway, I guess, all right. So he, there was no buffet buffets on the ship he was getting on. This was hardcore, just going to make it kind of a thing. Uh, this was a merchant ship, very small, uh, all about the cargo, and Jonah was going to catch a ride and uh, go along with him. And it, something to remember is Jonah's name actually means dove or peace. So Jonah's name actually means someone who brings peace. So again, that's interesting where he's told to go to Nineveh, in a sense, be Jonah, be peaceful. And uh, his father's name uh, Amite means this idea of truth. So uh, Jonah was the son of peace that would, uh, in a sense, bring, bring truth. And so it's kind of interesting about that. Another thing we need to remember about Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Uh, some people say that maybe 600,000 people lived in this place. Uh, you know, there'd be the city and then just around the edges and all of that. It could have been even more than that. People who weren't in Assyria, all hated the Ninevites. And, and really, there was some, there's some just cause for that. When I talked about earlier about uh, Joe Schmuckatelli deserving to be hit over the head because he was saying naughty words, these Ninevites deserved judgment. They deserved payback. Um, people were scared to death of them, not just to be conquered by them, but what they would do once they conquered you. I don't have to get into all the details because it's very gross, but, but they, would, they would actually uh, skin people alive. And sometimes they would do that, and then they would uh, you know, put them in a hole and let their head be above the hole, and then they would pull their tongue out and stake their tongue into the grass or into the dirt. And that, that's what would happen. They would do this over and over again. And there's other things I'm not going to mention that they did. So Israel... Jonah's people couldn't stand them. The whole region couldn't stand them because of what they did and, and how they did it. Uh, now, if you look at this map here, you see where Joppa is. Uh, this is where Jonah is, and Nineveh is about 500 miles uh, northwest, uh, and uh, so that still would have been a big trip. But you also notice Tarshish is basically at the bottom of Spain, and uh, that's about 2,500 miles away. So Jonah gets this news. He gets this news to actually bring himself, to bring truth and peace to the people of Nineveh, the people that have been horrific, and Jonah doesn't want a thing to do with that. Jonah is a God follower. He is someone that knows God and follows God, but when it came to this order, he didn't want anything to do with it. I'm sure some of it was, what will they do to me? But there's also, as we get through the book, remember, four chapters, I think it's 48 verses. If you're looking in a Bible, you could pass it and miss it if the two pages stuck together. Uh, but it's very short. But, uh, you know, some of it is that, that Jonah knew that God was a merciful God and didn't want these Ninevites to experience the mercy of God. And if we're really frank with ourselves, sometimes there's people in our life 
that we really don't want them to see them experience the mercy, the forgiveness of God. Sometimes there's the horrific stories, and we kind of get that a little bit more, but then sometimes there's people in our own lives that have done us wrong again and again and again, and it seems like they even stick the knife in and twist it. Uh, They haven't uh, pulled our tongue out and stuck a stake through it, but uh, sometimes it feels like it's almost that bad, and and we, like Jonah, don't want them to see God's mercy. We want to see them get the results of their action. We don't want to see them make a change and then all of a sudden not get the the consequences of all those actions. Uh, We kind of are waiting for that to happen. And Jonah was the same way. Jonah did not want them to see the mercy of God. And for those of us who are familiar with this story, we know that at the end they do receive the mercy of God. Jonah knew his God well enough, and that's why he said no. Now, before we get going, too, one thing that we need to talk about is, you know, is Jonah, you know the story, Jonah, uh, you know, gets swallowed by a big fish, stays in that big fish for three days, and uh, how can that be? Where's the science for all of that? And, uh, you know, Jesus actually refers to Jonah as a real person. So because of that, I, I have the view that this did happen this way. But if you don't have that view, if you don't have that view, don't let that detail rob you of the lessons of Jonah. Because Jonah has lessons for all of us, even if we have some major questions. And I'd be honest with you, it's not that I have major questions, like I don't think that did happen. I go, how in the world did that happen? But Jesus refers to Jonah as a real-life person. So um, don't, don't let that uh, ruin it for you. So as we, as we think about Jonah, Jonah's story is often our story. Maybe not as dramatic But the human condition, the things in our heart, were in Jonah's heart. He's a real person, filled real things. And so as we think about Jonah, it's just not a a nice little children's story. It's just not a nice little Veggie Tales thing. It's so much more than that. And by the way, if you want, uh, I know the Resource Center actually has some materials. It has Veggie Tales. You've got to take that into account that it is Veggie Tales. It has um, the light and sound uh, production on DVD and some other things you can check out on, check that out on. But again, Jonah's story is our story. And the reality is that when we run from God, we make bad decisions. When you and I are running from God, it does catch up with us. We're not thinking clearly. And that made me think of these people, how they were not thinking clearly. They were running, and it got worse and worse and worse. Out of the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? The guy behind the chainsaws. Smart. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. I'm being quiet. Breathing. Watch one of those movies. Whenever there's an opportunity to get saved, they take the exact opposite thing. They're making bad decisions time and time again. And I want to propose to you that when you and I are running from God, where we make bad decisions. And they may not catch up with us for a little while, but they will catch up with us. Sometimes God protects us from those bad decisions for a little while. But then eventually there's a day where our life runs into that. 
And it's God being a good heavenly father, it's good for a child to experience consequences. It was good for me to get a discipline for what I did to Joe Smuckatelli. I never did that again. Never did that again. And it was funny, ever since then, even into high school, whenever I got around him, he'd be like, you know, a little bit jumpy. So he was always remembering this five-year-old that took him out. So, but, so that helped me in high school in some ways. But don't, don't take that away. But anyway, so, so, so it, it, the consequences, we need those at times. So if Jonah, as we know the story, got away with this, that really wouldn't have been a good heavenly father. It had major conf- consequences for other people, but also for himself. So if you've been a Christ follower at any time being, if you're thinking about following Christ, I just want to be straight with you that this is the truth. It shouldn't surprise us that God will regularly ask us to do what we don't want to do. He's going to ask us to do things, to get out of our comfort zone, to be stretched, and there'll be things that we just really don't want to do. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so, not even just not going, he went as far away as he humanly could get from Nineveh. That was his process. And, and sometimes you and I, when, when, there's, when there's something going on and we know God wants us to do it, we, we just resist. We know what he says. We know how he tells us to act. And, and we just maybe stay put or maybe we drift from it. And this, this isn't always true, but I, but I notice that when an individual starts pulling back from hanging around their Christ-following friends, regularly what happens is they're, is they're starting to run, and they're starting to pull back, and it's a way to go to the other direction because they don't want that engaged Christ-following experience of others to make them feel guilty, make them feel convicted, so they get away from that. They pull back. Because there's regular times where God asks us to do things that we don't want to do. A couple weeks ago, there was a little line in there. I said, sometimes I pray, God, help me to do what you want me to do. I don't even want to do what you want me to do. I just, it's not even doing it. It's, it's, it's the wanting I have no desire. I don't even have any desire to do it because you're God and I'm not. I just have no desire to do that. So regularly, if you're thinking about following a Christ follower, becoming a Christ follower, being honest with you, there will be times where God wants you to do things, be a part of things that you don't want to do. And for those of us who are Christ followers, this, this is a regular event for most of us. And then we've got to decide uh, what we're going to do with it. Jonah. Get up and go to that powerful and notorious city of Nineveh. Call out my messengers, call out my message against it because the wickedness of its people has come to my attention. And he goes the exact opposite way. So this isn't about belief, it's about behavior. Listen to this this isn't about belief. Jonah believes in God. He absolutely believes in God. He absolutely has a relationship with God because he heard God's voice. It's about behavior. 
Often you and I have moments where we have God's word, God speaks to us through his word, through circumstances, whatever, and we have a moment that it isn't about belief, it's about behavior. Uh, We all know how we're supposed to treat other people. We all know, we talked about this last week, uh, how you're supposed to be generous and sacrificial with your finances to a local church, to your church. We, we believe it, but it's about behavior. Uh, we all know certain things that we shouldn't be watching or consuming or letting into our soul and our heart. We, we know that. We, we believe that. But it's about behavior. I'm always amazed when I get a little bit of an article of a celebrity, uh, somebody who makes their money off of entertainment and then hearing about how they raise their kids, and some of these folks don't even have a TV in their house. I go, that's interesting. Now, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with having a TV in your house, but they're so aware of what that's doing to their children, even though they produce all this stuff, that they don't want it there. Uh, That's, that's that's to me, an amazing uh, something that should be an alarm in our life. They produce a movie. I've heard of it. Oh, when will your kids see these? Oh, they haven't seen any of my movies. Kids 12 years old, 14 years old. PG-13 movie. No, they haven't seen it. They, they do not want that influence. So again, this idea about belief and behavior. What things do we believe? If someone else asked you, you would say, yes, this kind of behavior. No, yes, no. And, and then how does it actually show up in your life? And Jonah had a belief, but his behavior was different. You and I have a belief, and it's about our behavior. And I, I think personally, at least in my life, my whole life is trying to get my belief to show up in my behavior. I've said this many times. I, you, if you've been around church for a little while or a long while, you, you know what belief is, um, behavior. Uh, you know from the scriptures uh, how to interact with substance. Uh, you know uh, from uh, belief Uh, what to do with your alcohol consumption. You know uh, from your belief uh, who you should be getting close to if you're in the dating relationship and how that all works. You know that belief. It all shows up in in your behavior. How how does that come out? And there's, there's subject matter after subject matter after subject matter. So before you throw Jonah out of the, under the bus, I I would say Jonah actually was brave and courageous. He believed something, he didn't want to do it, and he didn't do it. A lot of us, thankfully, maybe, maybe and maybe not, just kind of keep it inside. So we believe it, but our behavior, it's kind of like inside, and we kind of fool around with it, and we're not really living it out. Jonah didn't want to go, and he didn't go. He went in a different direction. Sometimes we just kind of try to f- straddle the fence. So Jonah, it's not about uh, his belief, it's about his uh, behavior. Also going along, we can always find a ship in the harbor willing to take us in the wrong direction. You can always find one. There's always one out there. Jonah goes to the harbor. He wants to get away. He wants to go to to Tarshish. Doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And there it is. You and I can always find opportunities to go in the wrong direction. We can find people to travel with. Sometimes we can even find other Christians to travel with. 
and we get on the boat, and it's the good ship lollipop or whatever, and we're woohoo, and we're going in a different direction. And uh, we can always find that. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He had the money, too. He had the resources. There's been times in my life where if I have the money and the resources, that must be a green light by God. There's a ship. All the pieces are coming together. But it's in the wrong, wrong direction. Um, And this would be two to three months' journey. This was a big deal trip. And he finds one. I've had Christians do this. I've kind of sometimes done this. Oh, all the pieces are together, so this must be the Lord's will. Even after he said, go to Nineveh. No, I'm not going to Nineveh. All the pieces come. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be that serious of a Christ follower when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to what I consume, how I consume it. And then all of a sudden you have this opportunity to, to, to get what helps you do what he said not to do or to do. And you're like, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is okay. God's providing this for me. Craziness. Craziness. Positive circumstances don't always equal God's will. Because the door is open doesn't mean you should go through it. Because the door is open doesn't mean you should go through it, especially when you had a word from God that said no or go, whatever. Jonah, I, I could just see him just, oh, look at this. I know God said that, but he's provided me a ship. There's room on it. I've got the money. This would have been very expensive. Uh, they're willing to take me on. Oh, good. This, this is positive. I mean, it's sunny. Uh, you know, seagulls, well, well, you know, whatever seagulls do, you know, and it's down the water and everything looks beautiful. And, you know, don't forget your suntan lotion. Let's go. All the circumstances seemed great. I've got to believe I'm not the only one that looked at smooth sailing and said that must be go for it. I couldn't find the right color, but I've shared with this before. Uh, I remember when I bought one of these four GTs. Man, was that a speed demon. An Escort, that was a GT. It still was an Escort, but it was a cool Escort. I had a bright green one, little thing in the back, you know, and five-speed. And I remember the first time uh, Cindy's dad rode with me, and just by purpose, I, you know, just kind of like really gunned it. He's like, whoa! He goes back in the seat. It was awesome, you know. And, but I can remember when this is all getting ready to buy this thing, and, you know, I really liked it and wanted it and went back and forth. And then I said this to Cindy. I said, you know, if the Lord wants me to get this, the financing will go through. And the financing went through. Unbelievable. God's stamp of approval on it. Said to some, another friend, hey, gets better gas mileage and whatever we're driving. I, I think it's a good. Smooth sailing. I can say with confidence I was not supposed to buy that car at all. Just because things look good, just because things are falling into place, doesn't mean go for it. Jonah, it's obvious he had a word. But I think you and I, if we take time to receive a word, have more words, more guidance, 
than we really want to admit. I absolutely believe that. We know more. And uh, just because life is good and just because you can make the payments and just because, you know, we, we ended up getting rid of this a few years later because we wanted to have kids and we had two cars with two payments and we got rid of that. And I've, I've told you about buying the Dodge Dart. It was like 18 years, 19 years old, but we wanted to order our uh, finances in order and that kind of thing. And I hated that car, but uh, I, I, thought, I thought we were ready to have kids. So that was a step in that direction. So, um, but I, I knew I wasn't supposed to buy this car. I just wanted it so badly. Also, don't confuse opportunity with God's blessing. Don't confuse opportunity. Again, same shade of what we're talking about. Oh, there's a ship. I want to go to Tarshish. There's a ship there. It costs $2,000 to go, and I have $2,800. These guys seem all right. The ship looks pretty seaworthy. Yes. Don't confuse opportunities with God's blessing. And we live in a country, whether we really understand it or not, that we have many, many opportunities that should not be confused with God's blessing. Just because this is going on in your life or this opportunity exists doesn't mean God's like ordained it and said, this is what I want you to do. Again, coming back to buying that Ford Escort GT, don't think that was a part of God's plan. Now, granted, he let me learn a lesson from it. Nice thing with Jonah, we're going to learn a lesson from it. But, but I'd rather uh, know some things and not have to learn every lesson by the hard way. I'd rather uh, be able to read something, see something going on in somebody else's life, and uh, realize that you know, it doesn't, it, it, I can learn from that lesson. I don't, I don't want to have to try everything out. In men's group this week, I said, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that has to hit, here's the stove is hot, but has to put his hand on the stove just to confirm it. Uh, now, now, there's a positive side of this. You know, maybe, just maybe, if uh, that's kind of your rhythm of life, your life is a blessing to other people. I got this ship here I'm running. It could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. And uh, so, so, you know, we'll, we'll take that. I mean, that's a little tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, honestly, there, there are times where uh, when the girls were growing up and circumstances were going on, I could pull an example out and I could say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with at work right now. They're like, what? I said, this is why. Don't ever do this. Watch out. Especially when it came up to guys. This guy, you don't want a guy like this. Watch out. And most of the time, I didn't use names. But anyway, um, so, you know, God, you know, doesn't uh, uh, want us to be confused, confused blessings with a, with a go-ahead. So there are ships out there ready to pick you up and take you to a destination that you're not supposed to go. Um, now, for Jonah, God sends a storm to seize his attention and our attention. It's also interesting, again, remember, he is sleeping in the boat. Storm's going on. He's down taking a nap. He has the peace of his name is practicing. He has total peace. He's going in the wrong direction and actually can have a great nap while everybody else on the ship is going crazy because they think the ship is going to go down. Uh, we read again, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the light, to sea to, to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They've just run out. They can't figure out who's done what. They see this as God's judgment on them. So they're you know, going to you know, uh, do lots. They're going to play, um, so- what's that, scissors? Rock scissors. You know, they're doing whatever to find out who did this. And so they go ahead and start to do that. And we need to, another takeaway before we move on into the passage is this, we need to remember that uh, the words of God become works of God. The words of God become works of God. Jonah had the word of God. Now, God's going to give some works, give some circumstances to see if that gets his attention. How many times in your life, how many times in my life do I have God's word? Man, I've got a lot of Bibles. I got it on my phone, got it on my iPad. Actually, I have paper Bibles still. And uh, so I got tons of Bibles. So I've got God's word. I've got it speaking into a circumstance, but I ignore it. And then he says, All right, I love you. You're my son. It's time for me to, to, to you know, upset the apple cart a little bit. And so the works of God. How many times have you felt like the world is against me? Circumstances, people, all kinds of things. Often, not always, but often, it's God now turning up the heat to get your attention. And some of us, even when he turns up the heat, go to the bottom of the boat and take a nap and ignore it. The people around Jonah couldn't ignore it. Sometimes the people around you can't ignore it. Sometimes people will speak into your life and they'll say, Hey, what's going on? The ship's going down. Your ship's going down. Don't you see it? And you're like, ah, no, I feel pretty good. I got peace about it. I'm just taking a nap. And everything is coming unglued. Don't get to that point. Enjoy the word of God. Don't make it be so that he puts some works of God into your life because you're not listening to his word. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people? I mean, they're just like, who are you? Who are you that God would take notice? A little thought there. Who are you that God would take notice in your life and turn the heat up on your life so you would pay attention? That is pretty amazing. Rather than being angry at God, be, wow, God, you are aware of me and care about me. You actually love me so much that you're turning the heat up on my life to speak into my life. Because you have something for me to do. You have something for me to be. But often, we ignore it. 
And when you and I ignore it, not only does it touch our life, but obviously it touches the lives around it. We put those close to us in harm's way. Jonah put the life of all those people on that boat in harm's way. You may think your life doesn't have a ripple effect in somebody else's life. I absolutely believe it does. I could share a personal situation involving a family member and how it affected my kids and all this kind of stuff. It was just their thing, but it affected my daughters. It, 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 it upset their apple cart. They, it, it put them, in a sense, in harm's way. It created them to, to have questions about a lot of things. And if I talked to my relative and said, you know, what you're doing isn't only bad for you, it's bad for, for, for other people, including my, your, you know, your family members, my granddaughters. Your actions are affecting them. Or your, not granddaughters, my, my daughters. And uh, they, they probably would have said, no, 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 it's my life. You know, it just hurt you. No, it has a ripple effect. Not only were those soldiers, sailors getting ready to lose their life, they had to throw their cargo overboard. That's why they were making the trip. Can, can you imagine, you know, having all your stuff and you're moving it to someplace and you're, you're going to, this is going to create, you know, if the boat owner's on the boat, this is, you know, sometimes there's a loan and all of a sudden now he's not going to be able to pay what he owes when he gets back because all his stuff is gone. Um, you, you know, the sailors might lose their job. They might make it to Tarshish and then be stuck there because they can't get back. They don't have any money. It just goes on and on. You and I need to take responsibility that our running from God doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us. And we put them in harm's way. He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This is an interesting phrase. Back then, uh, if you were a regional person, you thought you had a God of the region. That's why sometimes when you see these armies invading, they wanted to learn who the God was of that area and try not to upset them because they thought they were a bunch of little gods. So, so when Jonah says this, he's saying, my God is like the God over everything. He's the, the big God. And this terrified him. It wasn't just a local God. This was a God that wherever he went, he was, he was in control over everything. What have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm for, uh, down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. I know this is my fault. This is a great storm has come upon you i got to give this to Jonah. Jonah fesses up. How many times do you create a storm and you don't own it? Everything's coming unglued. Stuff at work's coming unglued. Stuff at home's coming unglued. Stuff at school's coming unglued. Wherever you are, stuff at church is coming unglued. And you know you have a big hand in it and you don't own it. You don't try to make it right. Jonah is trying to make it right. He says, get rid of me, and you won't die. And these sailors, these sailors are unbelievable because they don't do that. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. I mean, I don't know, have you ever been on the sea when it's really coming undone? It is crazy. 
It is crazy. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done, Lord, have done as you please. That, that, you know, some of us would have said, Oh, you're the cause? Whoop, one, two, three, you're off. <laughs> not these guys. They said some kind of integrity. They, they, they were trying to save this guy. Unbelievable. What happens? A couple things again, just kind of recapping. Sorry, your notes, just some thoughts. Uh, when we're running away from God, we stop hearing God's voice. We start to confuse opportunity with blessing. We hurt those who are close to us. All those things start to come into motion. And again, that, that confusing opportunity with God's blessing. We're like, I did ignore God. I'm not hearing his voice really. I'm looking at the circumstances. I got blessing. And we just keep moving forward. And we hurt those around us. And it's not all always like immediate. It's, it's time. God engages with our lives not to pay us back, but to bring us back. I love that. I love that. Jonah is not trying to like... Pay Jonah. God's not trying to pay Jonah back for what he's done. He's trying to bring God back. When you and I are experiencing these storms because we're running from God, and we go, God, I know you're doing this because of this, or you're angry at him. He's, he's not doing it to kind of get revenge on you, to pay you back. He's doing it to bring you back. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard. Immediately the sea was quiet. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God, they worshiped God and offered a sacrifice and made vows. So not only Jonah owning it, Jonah doing what he needs to do, taking responsibility, creates an atmosphere around him where they have their eyes open to the one and true God. I have to tell you, in our circumstances, in our world, Christians that project themselves as being perfect, not making mistakes, not being selfish, and then are and then try to cover it up, damage the witness of Christians in our world. But... Hopefully it's not happening all the time. When a Christian owns their responsibility and makes it right, normally people in circumstances are so blown away by someone stopping to make excuses and to own their, let's call it sin, they can't believe it, and they go, man, the only thing that could do that is maybe there is something to this God thing. Maybe this God thing's a possibility because I've never seen somebody own their messing something up and deal with the consequences, not ask to be, uh, the consequences to be taken away, but embrace them and deal with them. Unbelievable witnessing tool. Please don't go doing jerky things so you can use this witnessing tool. But when it happens, use it. These sailors were like, wow, can't believe it. And then we know the Lord provided a great, or provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So as you and I think about running, 
you know, we really need to ask this question, what is one area of life where you are running from God? What is one area? And if you say there's no areas, I don't think you're being truthful. I think all of us have an area in life that isn't in line with what God would have us to do. And in a sense, we're running. There may be a small area with not a lot of consequences, but we are running. And eventually God says, you had my word, now you're going to get my works to draw your attention. Because I want you back. Again, that idea, God's not about paying us back, God's about bringing us back. That is awesome. I don't know about the family you grew up in, but one of the wonderful things about the family I grew up in is, is my punishments were not revenge. My spankings were not payback time. It was all about bringing me back into alignment of what a little boy, a teenager, a young man ought to be. That was the goal of it. And I actually knew that, and I believed that. And it, it changed my response to those consequences. Likewise, you and I as adults, do you own the fact if you've said yes to Jesus that he's not trying to pay you back, he's trying to bring you back, and, and it's not a revenge thing, uh, and uh, it's all designed to keep you close to him. I love John 3.16 because I also love John 3.17, and I've had a few funerals, a few celebrations of life, and I've used this verse. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. Eternal separation from God, heaven versus hell. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life starting now through then into eternity. 17 is the great one. God didn't go to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. It's another way of saying God wants to bring us back. So, what is that area? Maybe it's starting a relationship with Christ. Maybe it's saying, I, I need to uh, admit that I have sinned in my life, admit that I need forgiveness, say that I'm going to place my trust in the fact that Christ came and died for me so I can have a relationship with God. I choose to have you a part of my life, in my life, follow you, and that might be your starting point. That might be your starting point from turning around and running towards God rather than running away from him. And then for those of us who have said yes, what is that area? Where is that area? And again, the consequences, the cost that that generates, creates, uh, and when life starts to get uh, tough, God is not up there going, aha, I'm going to pay you back. He's, up there, he's going, aha, I want to bring you back. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time together. We thank you for the life of Jonah and how it teaches us so much. And we would ask that we would be listening, that we would hear your word and not need works of yours in our life to get our attention, that your word would be enough. 
but we thank you that when we do ignore your word, when we do run from you in dramatic ways or just subtle ways, that the consequences of our actions aren't designed to pay us back, to hurt us. They're designed to bring us back. As we leave this place this morning, I ask that you would help us to be walking towards you because you offer to bring us back. For the person that's never said yes to you, may this be the moment in their seat that they say yes to Jesus. And Lord, if they do, may they reach out to one of us to let us know. And then for the rest of us, may we see those areas where we're running and not just say life's pretty good, so I guess it's not a big deal. Help us not to see smooth sailing as a confirmation of our behavior. We just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.